On this episode, we're joined by Ramiz Zafar, who is the co-founder and CEO of Eligible. Now, I first met Ramiz about five years ago when he was a speaker at one of our events, and I remember him talking very passionately about the opportunities to use artificial intelligence and automation to improve mortgage customer experience. So today, we're going to deep dive into mortgage technology, the problems their products are looking to solve, and his thoughts around adoption of new technology in the sector for 2022 and beyond. So Ruiz, thank you uh, for joining us today, first of all. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Eligible as a business, do you want to start by giving us a bit of an intro into what the company actually does? Yeah, sure. So we are a fintech company that works with mortgage advisors and intermediaries to essentially help them keep in touch with their clients. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is they provide us with the existing data that they have about their existing customers. And what we're doing is from the point of completion through to the product expiry, mm-hmm. we're essentially keeping their clients warm for them and as them. So it's about that post-sale nurturing, okay. you know, keeping that client engaged, but in a much more personal way mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. sort of campaign marketing or anything like that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's quite a unique proposition. And before we sort of dive into that in a bit more depth, can you tell us a bit about your personal background? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I always say, uh, it's like my running joke is, it sounds like I haven't been here very long, but I've been in the UK for about 20 years. Okay. And um, I was essentially in the lending space, but much more on um, the sort of securitization side. Mm-hmm. So I worked at Royal Bank of Scotland for eight years. I worked at a fund and I worked at HSBC for eight years as well. Mm-hmm. And I was looking after a sort of large legacy book of about 20 billion. So I was very much familiar with the space, but not really the origination distribution space mm-hmm. at all, as you say. Um, and it was around the time when Habito and Trussell and a lot of these sort of new players were coming to market that I started looking at it. And I think one of the things we noticed was that there was this myth that clients don't like talking to advisors and that's why we need robo advice. But mm. what we found was, you know, clients do like talking to their advisors. Mm. It's the advisors that, you know, a new lead comes in, they have to act on that. So they just didn't have enough time to speak to their existing customers. So it was all about how do we help them stay engaged with their existing customers. Mm. I think it's interesting around that time, I think that was around the time we first met actually. Yeah. And I think a lot of people taking the ideas that had been applied for, you know, Sort of investments and pensions and things like that, where robo advice, or forms of robo advice, had had some great success, and thought, you know, we'll try that in the mortgage market. But, you know, uh, the size of decision and commitment, and the level of kind of advice needed, uh, is much much different for a mortgage. So I think it's been interesting how those products have developed much more around, you know, uh, supporting the human advisor with technology, but really freeing up them, you know, their time to have that face to face or virtual kind of face to face conversation with the with the customer. Yeah, totally. I think that is essentially how the market has evolved. Is mm. The advisor is still central to the process and it's more about technology that you mm. know can sit alongside them, speed them up, make it mm. easier, make the client feel more at ease or more up to date with what's going on. Yeah. So you came into the mortgage market sort of specifically there were the originations about sort of five, six years ago, wasn't it? Um three and a half years ago, yeah. Oh, okay, right, even yeah. less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um when you first came into that market and you'd worked in other uh, kind of sectors, you say, what most sort of surprised you around the level of technology usage in the sector at that time? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think the first thing that everybody will sort of say, which is the low hanging fruit problem, mm. is that everything doesn't talk to one another. So mm. it feels like a disjointed process. There's a lot of systems. There's a lot of stakeholders and people are jumping around a lot. Mm-hmm. So that is a little unfamiliar. I think in other parts of technology, you see that things are more integrated now mm-hmm. and it took a while. That said, it's disjointed for a reason. I mm-hmm. think 
again, it's easy to say, oh, everything should talk to everything and it should all be connected and three clicks and I magically have a mortgage, but there's just so much more nuance in, in some of these problems. So I think that was surprising as well. There's a lot of systems, there's a lot of processes, but as you dig into it, you accept that they all have a very specific purpose. Mm. They have, you know, payment purposes, compliance purposes, mm. um, affordability purposes. And these are all separate things that can't just merge into one necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway. Okay, interesting. I guess the way that you develop the product uh, now, I would imagine you need a certain level of connectivity with, you know, broker CRMs and sourcing APIs and maybe potentially lender APIs. How have you managed to build that product then yeah. and connect to all those different systems? Well, I guess taking it back, what we realized, right, the heart of the problem that we saw was advisors are busy. They're just mm. very, very busy people. And in the context of our product, they've got so many leads coming in. Over mm. the last 18 months, they've been awash with leads because of Stamp Duty Holiday. And it just meant that some of the things that they'd like to do and want to do, they can't. And one of those was sort of post-sale um, customer nurturing, customer engagement, keeping clients warm. Mm -hmm. And that's why their current retention process is get back in touch a few months before expiring. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we've got a good problem that advisors want us to solve. Um, and the way that we solve it, as I said, is with client engagement. We can talk a bit more mm -hmm. about that. But then the next thing we realize is the other problem is if advisors are busy, sort of another system that's supposed to speed them up, but slows them down because they have lots of clicks to make just doesn't work. And as you said, we were like, okay, we have to make this something where they can kind of load their data into the system mm -hmm. and almost forget we exist, like we can exist in the background. So the way the product works is we have some APIs, mm -hmm. but we realize rather than waiting for the market, let's just work off of Excels and CSVs. So okay. huge firms, one-man bands, they are literally sending us a um, CSV file once a month. Okay. It has kind of the basic client information, their name, their contact details, mm -hmm. the start and end date of the mortgage, etc., um, our system then runs a whole host of rules to clean it up. Mm -hmm. So we have a bunch of algorithms that are, you know, fixing property addresses. They're tidying up end dates for nationwide because, you know, CRMs don't mm. um, capture that. And then we're also the bearer of bad news. Uh, so when we receive a file, what we feed back to the business is, you know, how many emails are missing, how yes. many end dates are missing. And I always say, like, you may not like it, but when yes. you send us 100 lines, about 20 of them, have an issue. Yeah. Um, and use us, don't use us, but those 20 lines is 500, a thousand pounds in fees that you're missing just because somebody didn't put an email in mm. or an mm. end date for a product in. So mm -hmm. the five seconds it's going to take to fix it mm. is, is worth the investment. So yeah. Okay. Um, CSV algorithms, data, and then I always say data is like 90% anger management. Takes okay. about four weeks, but once we're done with that, then it's it's a pretty smooth process. Okay. And can you sort of paint the picture a bit more about, so you talk about sort of walk, keep nurturing and keeping them warm. I guess there's a challenge around how do you do that in kind of an authentic way with customers? Because I think I saw on your, um, on the website that you'll do cool stuff like, you know, uh, send an email on their birthday or other kind of reminders and messages like that that are seasonal. Yeah. How does that how does that work in practice and what's the reception been like from, from the end customers to messages like that? Yeah. Well, I think there's two core pillars to that. From the perspective of the advisor, mm -hmm. it's important that, as you said, it feels authentic. It feels mm -hmm. like them. Yeah. So the product is fully branded as the business. Okay. It's not powered by eligible or us. In the, It's just as far as the client's mm -hmm. concerned, the advisor is taking 10 minutes out of their day to send them something. Okay. And then the second half of it, as you said, is that something should be personal, relevant, mm. um, and specific to the customer. Yeah. So a lot of what the system is doing is there's a variety of touch points it's making that are very specific to the customer, okay. as you said. So the first journey starts with 
just 30 days after completion, mm -hmm. sending a very personalized uh, email to the customer that's just saying thank you for the business. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, introducing them to the fact that they're going to get these emails and all of these emails will click through to this really cool app where mm -hmm. um, they can read content about their existing product and what some of their options are. Okay. It's all branded as the... As the exactly. The so it's like a customer is getting an email mm -hmm. branded as the business and if they click that email... They're arriving at it's a it's a website. I call it a web app. It's just very good, responsive. But mm. simply email, clicking through to an app. Mm -hmm. App has content inside it. Content for us can be blog articles. Uh, we're bringing in animation videos, and it can be sort of pre-populated calculators as well. Okay. But it's all about these are short, simple journeys that the customer can sort of jump into, spend a few minutes on, and then we'll kind of nudge them again in the future. Yeah. Um, so some of those are relationship comms, as we call them. So mm -hmm. that's things like you know. Um, checking in frequently um, mm -hmm. on, you know, on a frequent basis, uh, birthdays, um, you know, wishing them happy new year, et cetera. So th that we call relationship nurturing. Uh, the next thing we're building now is protection modules mm -hmm. to sort of upsell protection. And I, I can come back to that. Yeah. And then the other things we do, which are more property and mortgage related is um, we have a pretty cool um, host of APIs we're using to send a postcode level kind of report. So okay. one of the things we learned is sending an AVM Seems like a great idea, but actually all you get is like, well, what are you talking about? My friend down the road sold it for 20K yes. more and your price yeah. is wrong. Yeah. But telling you that in your area, prices have gone up by 5% mm -hmm. or did you know one bedrooms have done this or that? Or mm. the price per square foot in your area is 500 pounds. That's an easy way for you to try to estimate the value of your home. Yeah. It adds the value you're trying to add mm -hmm. without um, sort of stepping over that line. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a whole host of comms. Okay. Um, and what makes it clever is the fact that it's not a scheduled set. To your point about authenticity, um, there's a lot of sophistication we use on persona mapping, mm -hmm. on segmentation for different types of people. They're receiving different comms. So for us, you know, sophisticated customers that own portfolios are seeing things about gross rental yields. A first time buyer right. isn't because it's yes. not relevant to them. So there's a lot of depth in the, Okay. Of the library of things we could send, the smaller things we do actually send. Interesting. So in terms of like user feedback, have you had kind of much feedback from end users? I can, I can see the big benefit for brokers of having a lot of their work automated, but you know, what's the kind of customer feedback been like? Yeah, so I think um, customer feedback has been great. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we did that we uh, included in relationship nurturing mm -hmm. over the last 18 months was same-day market updates. One of the things we realized was that... Um, so much was happening in the market mm. and sending a quarterly or monthly newsletter just isn't good enough because if something is breaking news in relation to the mortgage industry, if that's yep. stamp duty holidays, payment holidays, mm -hmm. um, three weeks later getting a newsletter about it isn't good enough. Yep. And so we sent those same days where the business would approve it. We'd send it out. Yes. The customer feedback was phenomenal. Okay. Um, and it came in a few forms. So our system tracks when people respond mm -hmm. so they can reply to emails and say, Oh, thanks. This is so helpful. Mm -hmm. That dramatically shot up, um, during that period. Okay. Um, so, so customers felt supported. They mm -hmm. felt like their advisor was on their side. Mm -hmm. They were with them for the sort of full two year, five year fixed period. Yeah. Um, second, the thing that we noticed is that, um, some of these relationship comms, about two to three percent of them turn into referrals. Okay. So it'll be like, oh, thank you. Um, or yeah, everything's fine. By mm -hmm. the way, I was chatting to my friend the other day. Okay. They were asking about a mortgage. Can mm -hmm. I send them your way? And so I think that keeping in touch mm -hmm. just allows you to stay a little bit further yes. front of mind. Mm -hmm. And so whenever they're having conversations with people in a much more organic, natural way, yep. um, these businesses come up. Yes. And I guess there's a bigger sort of threat of product transfer from lenders 
you know, if you don't speak to your customer, you'll, uh, if you're a broker for a couple of years and then suddenly you get back in touch, but also the, the lender does with a quick, simple process to do a quick product transfer. It's a lot harder to make the argument, the value of that, that kind of vice, I guess. So I can, I can really see the, the kind of um, potential value there. Yeah, totally. I think for the, for the advisor, that proposition isn't about competing on speed. Mm. It's about offering peace of mind. Yeah. That in, in the remortgage journey, which is so much different than the purchase journey, the, mm. the proposition is, we're on your side. We're here to help. Yeah. You may end up at the exact same lender, but what we can offer you is just having a look and seeing what's out there and then mm. weighing the options. Yes. So we were talking earlier uh, uh, about how you develop the product. Uh, and I guess products with a, you know, have a certain peak time when it's really valuable in the market. If you think about, I think historically brokers have been a bit slow to adopt new technology, but the events of the last 18 months or so have really kind of accelerated. We've certainly seen that for our clients. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, the products developed over the last couple of years and particularly the last 18 months, how, how adoptions, um, happened? Yeah, sure. The first version of this product, mm. um, we started building and, and we completely scrapped. Uh, mm. it was the hardest decision I ever made, but it was completely the right decision. Mm. Um, and then we rebuilt a new product that was completely focused on this product or this area. Let's okay. say post completion. Yeah. Uh, we launched that in basically January 2020. Okay. We had a couple of beta clients in 2019 mm. towards the end to make sure, you know, it worked. Mm. Um, 2020 first quarter, we had about 50 advisors using the system. Okay. Um, March 2020 onwards. Um, we weren't sure what was going to happen in the market. Um, what we found was actually we became more relevant. Mm. Um, first, I think in the period of March to April before stamp duty holiday, there was just an anxiety about what was going to happen next. Yeah. And for that reason, people were much more focused on their client bank because it was like, well, if the purchase market dips, my existing customers are what's going to keep me ticking along during the hard period. So yeah. we saw growth there. Then when stamp duty kicked in, as I said, advisors were swamped. I mean, they've been exhausted for the last 18 months, right? Mm. They, they, they were awash with leads. The proc is higher. They work with introducers, which means that they have to act on this stuff pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of accepted that they don't have time for this. They want to do it. They trusted us with it. They're like, look, these are my clients. That's my most valuable mm. commodity, but I trust you to sort of take care of them for me. So what we saw was, yeah, 50 advisors by sort of March 2020. Mm -hmm. We have about a thousand advisors using us now. Wow, um, okay. So yeah, we saw a lot of growth. We, we monitor about 15 billion of mortgages a year. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we, we interact with about 120,000 customers mm -hmm. a year. So now we have really deep understanding of how customers think on, on a national level. Interesting. So you had to do a major pivot and as you say, must rewrite the product. So what did the original product do differently than the, the new version? Well, I think um, we were taking on parts of the sales process that advisors didn't want us to. Okay. Um, so the original system was trying to show new products and make product recommendations. Right. More and more we realized that that doesn't help a consumer. It confuses them. Mm. Um, realistically, you're showing them a Best Buy table of some sort. Yep. And if you do that prematurely, a customer is either going to go direct to the lender or they're going to end up at a comparison website or somewhere else because they don't understand what you're showing It's undermining them. the value of the advice. Precisely. Well, isn't it? Yeah. And from the advisor perspective, you've probably shown them a product that they can't get anyway, mm. and you've made their life more difficult. Mm -hmm. And so when we really accepted, we just want to live from the point of completion to expiry in that sort of two-year, five-year window where mm -hmm. you're really not speaking to them. Let's just speak to them for you. Mm -hmm. Advisors were much happier for us to stay there and not bleed into the sales process because yeah, yeah. that opens up compliance problems and a whole host of things that it, it just wasn't helping anybody. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess 
that may be something you tell uh, a younger Burmese having just started the business when, when we first met. But yeah. it's always interesting to speak to entrepreneurs and founders. So I guess if you had the opportunity to talk to that younger Burmese at the beginning, what advice would you give uh, someone? Him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's probably not enough time to go through it all. But I think the main thing that I've really learned is um, for all the sort of uh, connotation that says, you know, advisors don't adopt technology, etc. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I've learned is actually advisors are phenomenally honest, you know, more than you'll find in other industries. Yeah. Um, and if you genuinely listen, they mm-hmm. will tell you what they will use, what they won't use, what their real problems are. I think, um, and if, if you can really sort of find, like sort of refine how you're listening to that, you can identify opportunities pretty quickly because they'll, they'll put cards on table about the things they think they're good at, the things that they wish they were better at. Mm. And if, um, you know, you can get those feedback loops working, I think it's actually quite easy to build a product. The mistake I made was not listening. Um, okay. And that's really the one piece of advice I'd give myself is really, really listen to them because what they're saying is very honest, genuine feedback about what they are willing to do, what they aren't willing to do, mm. technology that they will adopt versus stuff that's going to get in their way. And if mm. you focus on stuff that they want, that adds value, that they'll actually use, then you'll mm. you'll probably have a product. Yes. I think in terms of kind of modern digital product development that's that's really at the heart of it isn't it it's yeah exactly testing, right. uh, build small test with users and, and evolve and it sounds like you've come out the other end of that journey with a with a good product that's it's really gaining traction now oh thank uh, you which is great so i guess um in terms of today uh, we're going to wrap up in a moment but i'd love to hear a bit more about uh, your plans for 2022 uh, and beyond yeah sure so i think more of the same as i said okay. we want to do this we want to do it well so what we're realizing is there's a lot of opportunities uh, to talk to customers about other things as well. Mm-hmm. The most obvious one that we've been getting a lot of feedback about is protection. Mm. So we've actually got our protection beta starting now. Mm. Um, the first area we're focused on is mortgage customers that don't have protection. Very anecdotally, the stats we get is that the conversion there is about 30%, i.e. for every 100 mortgage cases that my business is complete, mm. um, 30 of those turn into protection. Why do you think, because obviously the, the, they have been involved with the broker at the point of kind of signing up with that mortgage, and that's a kind of key opportunity to, to kind of sell them that protection, which they really need to not yeah. in many cases. Why do you think it's only 30%? And Well, I, I think it's the way it's sold and okay. if it's sold. Mm. Um, so, you know, what an advisor will always say, you know, the anecdote is um, protection isn't bought, it's sold, which is different to the mortgage. Mm. Um, but I think... Number one, you have a lot of advisors that aren't necessarily comfortable with it. Okay. Um, and so even if it's part of their sales process, it's kind of like they're kind of hoping you'll say no so they don't have to do it. Oh, really? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it's at the risk of the mortgage business. If that's what I do and yes. that's how I make money and that's my livelihood. Yeah. Introducing this other thing that I'm selling you mm. with a sort of would you like fries with that approach. Yes. Most consumers are like, no, I don't want tinted windows or fries with that. Yeah. You know, that yeah. add-on sale. Mm. So... Issue one is it's being sold as an add-on as opposed to a, a sort of complete package. Okay. Um, and then second is I think a lot of advisors just don't like doing it and so they don't. Yes. Um, yep. But more and more it's becoming a thematic problem of when people are in difficult times, protection isn't, you know, an add-on. It's that genuine mm. um, piece of kit that keeps them safe. Yes. Fundamentally. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It sounds like a good logical next step. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Well, firstly, thank you, uh, thank you. Uh, for joining us today and um, thanks to our audience for listening.